Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Brother Dean, and uh, I'm ready to preach now. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, sometimes, not here, not at First Baptist, but you go sometimes to, to preach in churches, and man, the music service just makes it so hard to preach, or, or more difficult than it is, but not today, and not here at First Baptist ever. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse um, 16. We have journeyed through this uh, verse of Scripture and a few verses before it. And we remember it's a, it's a hymn, a song of the early church. And Paul just breaks out in song as he finishes this letter to the young pastor Timothy or about midway through it. And um, we call it, we can call it today a Christmas carol. If the angelic host spoke the first Noel, as our grand Christmas hymn says, the redeemed people of God have been singing the second Noel and the third Noel and every Noel since. Y'all know what a Noel is? A Noel is just a Christmas carol. I didn't know that till I looked it up. But that's what a Noel is. It's a Christmas carol. It looks like it's a Hebrew word because of the second syllable, the last syllable, the L, referring to Elohim, the God of creation. And I guess if you traced it back enough, you could see that it does have a Hebrew root. But really, um, according to my dictionary, it has French and Latin and everything else. But it means a Christmas carol. And so this could be perhaps one of the Noels that uh, was sung uh, that night uh, when Jesus was born or spoken by the angels. Uh, And we have been looking at this text for the last several weeks. And today we finish it up looking at it phrase by phrase in exposition, and we call it a Christmas carol, and let's read it together. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, 
preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Received up in glory. What we have done is we have taken each verse of this hymn of the early church, this kind of Christmas carol, if you will, and we have looked at what it teaches and what it challenges us and who our Savior is. You might recall the first uh, sermon we preached on ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, without controversy. Everyone in the church, the blood-bought church, the redeemed church, believes these things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm so grateful to be a pastor of a church that believes God's Word and is right on line with the Lord Jesus Christ according to God's Word. We don't get to make up anything about Jesus. Everything we know about Jesus is revealed, and it's revealed in His Word. And it's without controversy. Some things we can disagree about, but these things are without controversy. And then we looked at that wonderful phrase, um, manifest in the flesh, including justified in the spirit and seen of angels. And we looked at Christology, the doctrine of Christ, his incarnation. And we saw uh, all that that means and it pertains to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we looked at missiology, the doctrine of missions. What is the mission of the church? To preach the gospel of Christ to the whole world. That's what they did in the early church, and that's what we continue to do. Preach unto the Gentiles. Preach unto the whole world. And people get saved. They come to Christ, and people believe the gospel and are saved. That's what missions is, and we took a strong look at that. And then today... We come to the very last verse of this hymn, Received Up Into Glory, and once again, it's the doctrine of Christ. But this time, instead of His incarnation, we're going to look at His exaltation. Now, when we first preached this verse, our first Sunday, we talked about uh, the great hymns of Christmas. And I pointed out to you that most every one of them that I can think about or recall or sing that we sing, the most common, have in them verses and truths about the first coming of Christ when he was born in Bethlehem, which is what Christmas is, what we celebrate. But all of them also contain in them words and lines and verses about the second coming of Christ. The Christmas narrative, the Christmas story, does not stop in Bethlehem. Dear friend, if it stopped in Bethlehem, it would not be much to celebrate. Let me tell you why. Who would celebrate a mama putting a baby in a food trough as a crib? We would call the 1-800 number on them today. Right? But if it stopped there, there would be nothing to it. It'd be shameful. And he grew up, and if it uh, stops at his baptism, well, that's a wonderful story. And then if he continued on and went on to the temptation and the transfiguration, all of those things are wonderful. But I want to tell you why we celebrate 
Christmas is because for unto us a son is born and a child is given. Our son is given and a child is born. The cross is why we celebrate Christmas. It's the cross. He shall save his people from their sins. Simeon told Mary, a sword will pierce through your heart also. It's the cross, and it's the resurrection, and it's the ascension, and it's the second coming. Did you notice, and I'm sure you did, because I could just see you noticing this, when we read through this verse of Scripture, we read those wonderful choruses that Paul penned. There's not a single conjunction there. It doesn't say God was manifest in the flesh and justified in the Spirit and seen by angels and preached. Sometimes you can preach a whole sermon on words that aren't there. There's no conjunction. There's no and there. Now, when you read a bunch of ands, you know like Revelation is a whole bunch of ands. It's one of the most common words in Revelation. Genesis has a whole bunch of and. And what it means is, is God did this. He wants you to think about that. And he did this. He wants you to think about that. And he did this. He wants you to think about that. But here, there's no ands. It's just one whole continuous story. You don't have one without the other. There wouldn't be an incarnation if there wasn't going to be an exaltation. And if there wasn't an exaltation, there would not be a missiology. There would not be a Christology. There would not be an incarnation. It would mean nothing. And so when we sing about Christmas, folks, we talk about hope. We, we have hope of God's presence in Christ here and now, and we hope, have hope of a better day coming. You know, uh, the state of Mississippi has been hit hard in the last couple of weeks. We had a young boy, wonderful Christian family, uh, commit suicide in Starkville. And uh, it was a tragedy. And the daddy, I watched the YouTube. I don't watch a lot of YouTube, but I watched this. The boy's daddy did the funeral and preached the gospel. And I got a letter ready to send off to him to tell him how God's going to take his words and he's going to use it for the glory of God. And then our beloved coach at Mississippi State passed away. And then we had two police officers killed right here on the coast by somebody we just, it just threw, I mean, it's just shocking. State of Mississippi been through an awful lot. But you know what? Christian folk know this is not the end. We have a hope because Christ was received up into glory. And that's what we're going to preach about today, received up into glory. Now, He's naturally talking about the ascension of Christ when Christ went on up to heaven. And we're going to, I want to tell you, there's a thousand things to say about that. There's much to say about it. We could teach a whole Bible class for a whole semester on the ascension of Christ and all its implications and what it means. We're not going to do that today. I'm just going to give you three things about the ascension of Christ in terms of the Christmas message and the Christmas story of the Word of God that we have here. There are several Greek words translated into English. The 
the, the autographs of the New Testament were written in Greek. And there are several words that are used throughout the New Testament to describe and define the um, ascension of Christ. And so I've chosen three of them, and I'm not going to bore you with any details about those words, but we are going to talk about what they mean and what they imply. But right here we have this received up in the glory. You know what I thought about when I read that received up in the glory? I thought about when Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not and how he is rejected in this world and how he was rejected when he walked among men at the first coming of Christ. When he walked among men, many followed and many received, but he was rejected and crucified in that rejection. But when he ascended to the Father, he was received, and it's like a welcome home. Welcome, my son, to the Father. Wonderful thing. Received up into glory and welcomed into heaven, a warm embrace and welcome. When I was a boy growing up, you used to hear a, an old song during this holiday season. It started out right before Thanksgiving, and it ended up all the way through Christmas, and it went something like this, and I'm not going to sing it. But it went like this, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we'd go, et cetera, et cetera. That's all I remember. And I want to tell you, Back home, we used to sing that song, and then we'd go to Grandma's house. I had a grandma that lived uh, about uh, 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes south of us, and then I had another grandma who lived down in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas about an hour and a half, maybe, maybe not quite that far uh, south of us, and we'd travel going to Grandma's house and we would sing over the river. My, my brother and I would sing over the river because we knew pies and, and cakes and being spoiled waited for us at grandma's house and grandmother's house. How many of you remember those days? Can you shout hallelujah? Amen, boy. I want to tell you what. They were wonderful days. And uh, we'd get so excited. Of course, we didn't have, uh, old, we didn't have woods. We had... Uh, mesquite brush country we'd pass through passing through that king ranch getting down there to go see grandma but we would have a wonderful experience and there was always a warm welcome a warm welcome i can remember going off to college and uh, i went 500 miles away from home to college anywhere in texas is 500 miles away and so I, I, it would it, take me all, it would take me a lot of time to get home. And, and I would get up with, with anticipation when I would go home during the holidays. I'd get up like 2 or 3 in the morning and I'd leave. Uh, and uh, that was really not smart because you'd hit that Houston rush hour traffic. But I was so excited about getting home. And I remember going home the first time for the holiday season, Thanksgiving, that first semester. Now, my mother's long been with the Lord. She's, uh, she passed away on Thanksgiving Day uh, in 1996. But I, I'll never forget. This is one of my fondest memories of my mama. And I got up early that day, and I rode home after, after the exams. And uh, 
I arrived about 10 o'clock in the morning down there. You could tell how early I left just to get home. And we had a driveway that went around the back of the house, and we had a bay window, and there was the breakfast area where you would, uh, you know, eat, and you could watch out and see the, the backyard and the driveway. And I drove up and pulled in right in that driveway, and there was my mama sitting at the breakfast table with my grandmother, and I saw her when I drove up. She jumped up, and the chair flew back, and the coffee spilt on the table, and she ran out the door and called my name and embraced me, and embraced me. She didn't say the word welcome, but I won't tell you what, it was a welcome home. And I wonder if when the Lord Jesus Christ was received up in the glory, if the Father might not have ran down the streets of gold, uh, walking across the crystal sea, storming through the gates, welcome, welcome, my good and faithful servant, welcome my son in whom I am well pleased, received up in the glory. So if you're traveling for Christmas and you're going to go see grandma or aunt and uncle or something like that or maybe they're coming to you, think about this when he was received up in the glory. And I won't tell you there's three things I just want to talk to you about about him being received up in the glory. What kind of welcome did he get? First of all, there was a welcome provision when he got to glory. A welcome provision when he got to glory. Luke chapter 24 describes for us another aspect using one of those Greek words about the ascension of Christ. And it says, and it came to pass, he blessed them. So, before Jesus ascended to the Father, the Gospel of Luke records that he blessed them. He blessed them. And he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem and with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God and blessing God. Amen is what Luke says. The word carried up, it's a wonderful word for the believer. But it's also a wonderful word for, for you who may not know Christ today. It's a word which means to literally like carry up. It's used at least 10 times in the New Testament. It describes how Luke, it's used by Luke to describe how Jesus was carried on up into glory at the ascension. Just carried on up. In a cloud, he was gone. It's used twice to describe how Jesus looked at Peter, James, and John one day and said, you three, I'm going to carry you up to the mountaintop. And there on the mountaintop, you're going to see something spectacular. And that's where Jesus was transfigured. Do you remember that? The glory that was on the inside just kind of poked out like you opened a blind on, on the morning and the sun just come out. And this, the glory just kind of peeped out for a little bit. And Peter, James, and John were asleep. Can you imagine that? Don't sleep in church. That's why I holler. I'll wake you up. That's why we got these, some of these youth sitting up front so the spit will wake them up like throwing water on them. Amen. <laughs> But I want to tell you, it, they, they woke up and they, they, they got the tail end of that experience. But that's, 
That's the word that he uses to carry them up to that mountain to see the glory of God. You know, sometimes God just does that to us. And then it's used um, in the Septuagint. Now, the Septuagint was the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures in about 200 some odd B.C. They translated it. When Paul sometimes uh, quotes the Old Testament, he, he, he uses the Septuagint, that Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. That's why you, you'll read a, a quote from the Old Testament and you flip back in the Old Testament to find it and it's a little bit different. Some of the words are different. The truth is the same, but that's because Paul is using the Septuagint. Well, in the Septuagint, this word carried up is used to describe how Abraham took Isaac and carried him up to Mount Moriah. Remember that? And they went up together, Isaac carrying the wood, and Isaac laid on that altar that Abraham made. And Isaac said, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, my God will provide a lamb. God will provide a lamb. And remember, the ram was caught in the thicket. By the way, Isaac's question was not answered by his daddy Abraham. His question was answered by John the Baptist who said, Behold the lamb, Isaac. Behold the lamb, you who want the lamb to die in your place. And so that's the word. And it's also used of our Lord in the book of Hebrews. So Christ was once offered, carried up, offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so what we have here in this particular word, when we think of the ascension and the welcome home, that provision, that sacrifice, what he did on the cross was welcomed in heaven received in heaven and it was a welcome sight to the father when he came with those nail scarred hands into glory you see today people reject the cross they not only reject what the cross stands for and the message of the cross and the call of the cross but they even reject the symbol of the cross do you know uh Years ago, a, uh, one of the choirs in the town wanted to use our building, and they, they said, well, sure, we like to serve our community. You can use our building and sing and uh, just make sure we got to make sure we see what you're singing, you know. And um, they needed a building because things were tied up. And they wouldn't use it when they saw the cross. Well, that's fine with me. We're not going to cover up the cross. Amen. I mean, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so people are offended at the cross. But I want to share and tell you, when this word indicates when Jesus was received up into glory with that welcome home, his sacrifice, his work on the cross was welcome. Folks, do you realize what that means to me and you? Do you realize the impact that has for right here and now today? 
He became sin for us on the cross, and God has received and welcomed that sacrifice, and it's done. There's nothing else to do. Welcome home with your provision on the cross. Sit down. The job is done. You can be saved from your sin, and you can be secure in your salvation because he was received up in the glory. And the cross is settled. It settled your sin. Welcome home. Welcome home. There's an old gospel song uh, entitled, The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago. Brother Dean, you know that song, The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago? I know. I'm going to get in the car and Tracy's going to say, nobody knows those old songs like you do. And uh, that's okay. Uh, maybe one day the Lord will work a miracle and I'll sing it for you. But the old account was settled long ago. It's talking about a man's sin and, and uh, what, he, what he had to pay for his sin. And it talks about hell and the judgment of God in that song. And he comes to the cross and is saved. And the old account is settled long ago. Isn't it wonderful because he was received up into glory and his sacrifice was welcomed that when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, you got to pay up before you come in. It's settled Praise God, your sin has been dealt with. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven if your sin is dealt with, and it was dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Do you believe that today? I believe that. I believe that. Well, not only do we have a welcome provision, but we have a welcome promise. Acts chapter 1 uh, describes for us the ascension again. It's an incredible, it's a whole other word. This time, it's a word translated take, taken up. He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. He was just taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, they were just gazing up to heaven uh, as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. Taken up. This word taken up is the uh, word that implies you take something up with the intent on using it. We would say uh, we're going to take up and pick up this hammer and you intend on using this hammer or a tool or something or a book. I'm picking it up, and I'm intending on using it. And so that is the meaning of this word. Jesus was taken up, and there's intention in that. There's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. This is a very practical word. It's the same word that is used by old Paul when he wrote his second letter to Timothy and he's in prison and he's about to die and be executed for the faith, he's there in prison 
and he's writing Timothy, and he says to Timothy, when you come see me, take up, literally, take up Mark. He's profitable for me. Now, remember, Mark was the one who left him in his first missionary journey. And on the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. And Paul said, absolutely not. We're not bringing that young man. He bailed out on us, left us in a lurch. Uh, he, 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 we're not bringing him on this second one. The boy can't handle it. I don't want him back. And remember, they had an argument. Can Christian people have arguments? And they had an argument. And the Bible says the contention was so sharp that they split up. And Barnabas took Mark with him, and Paul picked up Silas, who we benefit greatly from, and God was in it. Now, I'm sure they still loved each other. You know, you can, you can uh, disagree and even have contentious disagreements and still uh, be civil and still not um, quench the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and somebody said, well, which one do you think was wrong? Was Barnabas wrong or was Paul wrong? I'm not about to guess. When we get to heaven, we'll find out. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But we know God was in it. And then Paul's about to die. It's been several years. Paul's about to die. And he says, Timothy, take up Mark. That same word, I have intentions for Mark. I want to use him for something. And I imagine Timothy might have sent an email back and said, Paul, don't you know he was the one who chickened out on y'all way back yonder, way back years ago. And Paul forwarded it back, replied back and said, that was a long time ago. People grow, people mature. We got to give them a chance to grow and serve. He's profitable. Bring him here. I've got some intentions. I got a, I got a reason for him. I want to use him. So bring him on up. Same word. When Jesus was taken up, God said there's some usage for this. This is what we're going to do. And he gives us those two things right here in our text. One is so Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. He said to his disciples, I've got to be taken up so I can send another comforter. I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And you'll have power. You'll have great power in you when the Holy Spirit comes. And then he said, uh, and also he's going to come back. So the two things that Jesus was taken up for, and the intention, the purpose of the ascension, it becomes a tool for us, is number one, to make you a witness. To make you a witness. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. I'm going to make you a witness. I'm going to do this work in you, and you're going to be a witness throughout the whole world. And he does, and he did, and he still does. Folks, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When you got saved, the Holy Ghost came upon you. He indwelt you. And I want to share something with you. There is not one thing you cannot do for the Lord Jesus Christ that you know you need to do there's not one thing you cannot do because you have the Holy Spirit with you and in you. And he is your power. Amen. Oh, I've had some people say, Preacher, I appreciate what you're doing with uh, who's your mission. 
I hadn't had any negativity about that yet, but we've had a lot of inactivity about it. I love you, but we've had a lot of inactivity about it. But I want to tell you, maybe you're being inactive about who's your mission and, and the blue farm and getting a mission because you're a little bit timid and you don't think you can do it. You don't think you could do it. Let me share something with you folks. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you have received the presence of the Spirit of God, and you have received His power, you can do it. And He'll help you do it. As a matter of fact, He said, I'm going to make you do it. You shall be my witnesses. You just got to choose to be a good one. Amen. I mean, when you got saved and the Holy Spirit dwelt, you're representing the Lord Jesus. I hope you're representing Him well. He's going to make you a witness. And so the first tool of the ascension was to make you a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent His Spirit. That's what He did. And the second tool, the second intent of the, attention is to, of the ascension is to motivate you to be a witness. So He ascended up on high. He was taken up. And these disciples are just standing there like this. Stargazing. They're just looking up in the sky. You ever do that? Just look up in the sky? And two, the Bible says two men, and they're angelic men, angelics, angels. And um, I love what they said. Oh, you men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing? This same Jesus. You ever wonder why they said this same Jesus? Because it's going to be the same Jesus. The same man who was born in Bethlehem, the same one who went to the cross, the same one who rose again, the same one who was ascended, that same one's coming back. He's going to come back in the same way that he left. Now, there's a lot of ideas about how he's going to come back. Well, I want to tell you how he's going to come back. In the same way that he was taken up, he's going to come down. Now, I don't think these disciples really expected him to fly up into glory, Brother Larry. I know they knew he was, but I, like, I could just imagine that's why they were so shocked when they saw it. I mean, they'd seen some miraculous things before. I mean, Jesus was always defying gravity. He walked on water. You could walk on water, too, if it wasn't for gravity. And, and, and you know, one day he's going to defy gravity, and he's going to take us up. But he was taken up. And he's telling us, I'm coming back. And the Bible tells us to expect his return and to live for his return and to watch for his return. But watching is just not knowing all the facts and just looking up into the sky. Too many times we get into stargazing. We study Revelation and Daniel and all the Old Testament prophets and and, oh, we think we're so smart because we know that the Antichrist is going to part his hair on the right. And, and uh, we know that, uh, that uh, the Euphrates River is this. And we know that, uh, oh, that these nations are going to do this and there's going to be do, doing this and the United Nations is that. You know what all that is? That's just stargazing. He said, why are you standing here doing nothing? He told you to do something. You better go do it. And they went, and then they were endowed with the Holy Spirit, and they became witnesses. Listen, the second coming of Christ motivates us to witness. He's coming back. And we need to have some people ready to go with him when he returns for them, to stand before him in judgment. 
to be redeemed of their sin. We need to be witnesses. Let's not be found without anything. Let's be found with souls. So who's your mission? And then there's another thing. One more. Acts chapter 2 in verse 36 talks about a welcome person. Welcome person. This next word describing his being is uh, the word anabino, and it, it, it's translated ascended several times in the New Testament. While it has many nuances, it is what uh, the Holy Spirit uses to reference his exaltation. Anytime there's a reference to Jesus being exalted by the Father or by us, this word is used. Acts chapter 2 says, This Jesus, verse 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof ye call we all are witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said unto he saith himself, David says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Oh, David believed in the Trinity. The Father said to the Son, my, the, the Lord Jehovah has said to Adonai, Sit down at my right hand till I make your enemies thy footstool. This is Jesus being exalted. And it's where Christ is now, at the exalted right hand of God, city, seated at the right hand of God. The theologians call this the time of his session. And there he is making intercession for the saints of God, and he's making intercession ever in the presence of God for us. He's speaking to God about us. Isn't that a remarkable thing? You can't lose your salvation because God's, the, the, the Son is talking about it to the Father. You, 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 it's a blessing. We're on His mind. He hadn't abandoned us and forgotten about us and His exalted position. That's why we gather to worship on Sunday, to exalt Him and worship Him and lift Him up. And we have this exaltation of Christ and he fills his presence with us when we exalt him. What a wonderful truth that is. So what do you do with this today? I mean, what do you do with this? Well, let me just ask you this. Would you think about him being received up into glory? Picture that event in your mind. Picture what must have taking place in heaven as he sat down at the right hand of the Father being welcomed and the sacrifice of his for your sin was received into glory. The old timers said that Jesus got to heaven at his ascension and he applied the blood before the Father in heaven. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. I believe in the blood of Jesus. And the blood stands between us and a holy God, and we are pronounced cleansed from sin by the blood of Jesus. Do you know that your sins are forgiven before God? 
Are you 100% certain if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Are you obedient to him? Folks, next, next Sunday's Christmas Day. I'm looking forward to preaching on Christmas, and then I'm looking forward to a week with uh, my family. We're going to travel a little bit and be with uh, my sister and her husband, and looking forward to that. But Sunday morning's going to be great. Did you know next Sunday morning we're going to celebrate the ordinance of baptism? I'm looking forward to that, to be baptized on Christmas Day. Well, let me ask you, have you been obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and been biblically, scripturally baptized by immersion, believing that it is a picture of what Jesus has done for you and in you? Have you been baptized? You say, well, preacher, I've been saved. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you've been saved and you haven't been biblically baptized, let me share something with you now. You're in disobedience. You're not exalting Christ. You're in disobedience. And you cannot expect the blessings of God in any act of obedience that you do until you do that because that's the first act of obedience. That's the Great Commission. Receive the gospel as it's being preached by a faithful witness and then we baptize you. Baptism is the biblical initial profession of faith. Now, we Baptists like to have people come forward, and we do that. I'll tell you why we do that here at First Baptist. We do that because it, it gives people the opportunity to respond right now. But the real profession of faith is in that baptistry right there. That's the first profession of faith is when you when you obey God in the area of baptism. I love you. I want you to receive all the blessings of God. And you need to be obedient to Him in baptism. So maybe you need to, to first exalt Christ by being biblically baptized. We're here to help. What about exalting Christ in, in your obedience as far as being a witness? We've been talking about it and talking about it. I've been preaching it and preaching it. You might think I've been harping, but I've been preaching. Amen? It depends on your attitude and your, I guess your, whether or not you're backslidden. To, you know, it's a fine line between harping and preaching. Amen? <laughs> well, I won't tell you. You might think I've been harping about it, but I've been preaching about it. Will you be obedient and exalt Christ by having a mission. We're just giving you an opportunity to be obedient to Christ in an organized, systematic way that's going to help you and aid you. Will you do it? Will you do it? He went up, sent the Spirit down so you would go out. That's it. That's the book of Acts. Jesus went up, Spirit came down, the saints went out, and that's what we're supposed to be doing today. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Will you make 2023 the year you exalt Christ in that manner? I pray you would. And from now on, when you come to the Lord's house and gather with his people who have no controversy with what the Bible teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ, would you just come in here and worship our Savior.
Just worship our Savior. Count your blessings and give him thanks and praise. The first text we looked at was the Gospel of Luke, and he was caught up. And the Bible says when he was caught up, they just started worshiping. After the angel straightened him out a little bit and said, quit staring up into heaven. You look like fools. Go do what you're told to do. They started praising God. Amen. That's what we need to do. That's the invitation. I'll be standing up front to help, to help you make that decision. We have wonderful people who will spend a little time with you. We're not going to just handle it in two minutes right here during a song. We, we, uh, we'll, we'll connect you with somebody. We'll get, get your help and get the job done for the glory of God. And that's what we're going to do. That's the invitation. You need to be baptized. You need to have a, 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 a prayer about who's your mission. Uh, folks, one other thing real quick. You know, this just popped into my mind. Maybe it's from the Lord. I pray it is. But, you know, I've had people say, Preacher, i got a mission, but they're the most complicated, hardest person in the world. I don't think they could ever be saved. I understand that. I got about three of them on my, that I've turned in. And I, I, I look at them and I wonder, Lord, how are you going to do this? I know you can. And so I got in the Word of God to find out how God can do it. That's where you go, brother, when you have a question. And the Lord gave me a message a sermon we're going to preach in January, not who's your mission, who's your mountain. And we're going to talk about how to move that mountain. And uh, we're going to give you something about that. And I'll tell you how we can do that, how God can do that. But let's exalt Christ. You come in response to what we just invited you to, baptism, whatever God would have you to do. Your response may not require you to come forward. And that's fine. You just talk to the Lord where you are. But if you need help and you have a question and you want somebody to pray with you, I'm here, ready to receive you. God's people are singing. God's people are praying. The devil's crowd may be looking around to see, to make fun of you. Uh, leave them alone, all right? Know that God's people here at First Baptist Church love you and care about you, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed or timid about there's many people in our church who prayed for you and don't even know you before you got here. And you just come on. The Holy Spirit is giving you an unction. You just come on. It's not from anybody else but the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and we'll do it for the glory of God. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com. 